0: Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Give me everything you got! Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's quarter time. It's
0: quarter time.
1: Then we go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy.
0: That's right of the week, and we're talking about an interesting signing today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 322. At the top of this week's show, we've got our scouting report where I chat with Ben Fennel about the Eagles signing over the weekend of former Minnesota Vikings safety... Anthony Harris, we're going to get into his strengths, his weaknesses, how he was used in Minnesota, and what he brings to the Eagles, and a coach that he's familiar with, and defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Before we get there, just a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. First up, I'm going to ask you guys again, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, really appreciate everybody for throwing us your support. It's the best time of year to jump on, and just make your presence felt. Look, we're looking for questions to be able to answer for you guys, but then also, It helps make the show more available uh, to others that are looking for Eagles podcasts, X's and O's podcasts, trying to learn more about the game. Also, if you enjoy my chats here with Ben on this show each and every week, make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. We're about a month away from the 2021 NFL Draft. So Ben and I are on there every single week. We've got Dane Brugler on there every week. Greg Cosell, uh, longtime listeners to this show know, obviously, Greg. Greg and I are on every week. We're talking about sleepers in this draft with Greg uh, here this week. And that'll be the episode that drops on Thursday. So make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Again, wherever podcasts can be found. That being said, let's dive now into the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Let's get this show rolling. It's time to dive into our chat with Ben in Scouting Report.
1: Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting
0: Report. All right, well, let's get things rolling here with our scouting report as I welcome in my friend Ben Fennell. And Ben, uh, I touched earlier this week a little bit on a couple of the acquisitions the Eagles have made, and I teased the fact that in this episode we would be breaking down Anthony Harris, who the Eagles signed over the weekend, a uh, free agent safety from the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, look, I, w- I was excited to talk about him with you because, uh, as most of our listeners know, you write about the Packers uh, throughout the year for the athletic. You study every single one of their games. You always have. And being in the NFC North, that means that you've watched a decent amount of Anthony Harris on top of when you're already studying the Vikings defenses for other work that you do. So my first question was coming into this, because you and I, we watched every single one of his ball contacts this past year, uh, whether it was tackles, TFLs, PBUs, interceptions, you know, right down the line. Were there any preconceived notions you had about Harris coming in before you watched it? And then the second part of that is, did they change afterwards? You don't need to get into the, if they did or why they changed, but, if they did or not, uh, that's kind of how I want to start this conversation off.
1: You know, there's no particular preconceived notions going in to watch this Vikings defense, but lumping together Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith in that safety tandem in Minnesota, you just know what you're getting on a week-to-week basis. Discipline, tough, instinctive. These guys don't make mistakes. They're reliable, as reliable as it gets as far as defensive players in the NFL. They aren't the flashiest guys, and I'm kind of lumping them in both together just because they kind of take on the same personality and play style, uh, being that tandem on the back end of the defense in Minnesota for Mike Zimmer. They're not the flashiest guys. They're not the most explosive, not the sexiest, but they're just so reliable. And they're what I call the blue-collar safety, the ones you can trust, the smart ones, the ones that aren't going to make that mistake on the back end. And on a week-to-week basis, they're going to be there. Uh, and they're not going away. And I just think they provide such stability and such consistency on the back end of that defense. And 2020, it didn't go great for the Vikings. They had a lot of youth on the perimeter as they tried to work in all these rookie corners and Gladney and Cameron Dantzler and give Mike Hughes more snaps and some injuries at linebacker throughout the year. They were a mess, you know, obviously, personnel-wise, COVID opt-outs and their big free agent signing, Michael Pierce. But when you're just looking at the safeties, in particularly Anthony Harris, very disciplined, technically sound player.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, you know, the, the Vikings defense, a lot of things they had to kind of go through uh, at corner. I mean, their top three corners from a year ago were gone, so they had to kind of start from scratch at that position, uh, and then the injuries and the inconsistencies certainly didn't help, but those two guys we're steady on the back end. And I guess. And Zimmer me, doesn't
1: like to play youth. Zimmer right. is a guy, one of those old school guys that kind of make the youth pay their dues and work their way into the lineup. So it probably pained him to play that many young people as well.
0: That's a good point. And just like, you know, my preconceived notion coming in was like uh, almost kind of thinking back to the Eagles during that Super Bowl run in 17. Like, you know, Malcolm Jenkins was the movable piece underneath, whether he was matching against running backs and tight ends or playing in the slot or in the box. That's Harrison Smith and Rodney McLeod was Anthony Harris, deep player. You know, he'd play from depth. Uh, They're playing a little bit more too high these days. So uh, you're seeing a little bit more of these guys. And Anthony Harris, he'll play down at times. It's not like he never plays close to the line of scrimmage, but he was mostly their deep piece. And uh, I was interested to see if that was the case coming in. And I think that pretty much held up.
1: And I feel like defensively for the Eagles over the last five, six years, That's when they were at their best, when you had that consistent, reliable force on the back end where Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod were playing thousand snaps each, you know, uh, you know, through the heydays of some of our good years in Philadelphia, just reliable, dependable players. And they really kind of mirrored this tandem in Minnesota. And when you look last year across the NFL, they were one of five safety tandems to play a thousand snaps. Mm. It's hard to do especially defensively. It's a physical game. It's just hard to survive a season. The fact that Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris survive both playing a 1,000 snaps, that's tough to do. And when you go back a couple of years, you see McLeod and Jenkins were that tandem in 19 and 18 and 17. They're just guys that you really want that dependable, reliable presence at the safety spot. I got
0: to think that's your stat that matters for this uh, as we go into this. It certainly
1: is. And that's yeah. kind of my takeaway of Just the Vikings is just that back-end group So reliable, so consistent. And I think you need that out of that safety group. You need that down the middle of a defense. You need that in the linebacker group, the safety group, because they rarely come off the field. They're always working in concert, being adjacent positions to each other. You just got to have that rapport, that communication, that feel for each other, which takes time. Uh, And it's really cool to watch these two guys that have a great rapport with each other.
0: All right, let's get into our five burning questions here. And as we uh, normally do, we go into what our biggest takeaway was. And uh, I'll start with you. Uh, What would you say uh, was your biggest takeaway watching all of these plays from Anthony Harris?
1: Well, I was pleasantly surprised to see how filled out his frame has been. He looks like he's playing about 205, 210, 6'1". He was about 183, 185 coming out of Virginia. Much thinner type of defensive back prospect. And with that extra size, particularly through his chest, he is a take-on tackler. He gives really good thumps, really good enforcer. He's a reliable tackler. This isn't a DB or safety that dives at the feet or throwing chicken wings for the knockout punch. He's going to square you up with his face, with his chest, and try to finish you with a form tackle. And that kind of translates to being tough at the point of attack as well. Sometimes he's down there off the line of scrimmage battling tight ends. Occasionally they'll kind of slide in a slot receiver. He destroys slot receivers or any receiver trying to block him in that spot. I particularly remember a play of Amari Cooper, I think, down in the low red zone by the Cowboys, where he just jacked him into the backfield and made the tackle. Long story short, he is a tough player, particularly through that core strength. Yeah, I think to me that was mine was, uh,
0: you know, you mentioned a word that reliable. And I think when you look at uh, how consistent he was coming from depth and finishing as a tackler, uh, I thought that, that and that's one of the things I've always loved about Rodney McLeod. And I think that Harris is that similar kind of player in terms of skill set. I think that, you know, in terms of coming down, playing with pace, being able to finish one on one, whether that's in traffic, whether that's running the alley, whether that's along the sideline after a corner gives up a play and it's an 18 yard gain and he's the last line of defense. and He's got to make that play uh, along the sideline or nobody makes it. Uh, I thought that he was able to consistently time and time and time again, be able to come up big. And I, I actually watched not just these, but I watched all of Minnesota's big plays as well, just to see if he, how many he was at fault for and plays that he would like to have back. And there just weren't a lot of them. I I think when you look around him, certainly there were a lot of breakdowns elsewhere on defense, but uh, there were a lot of play. He's just a very reliable player. That would be the one word
1: uh, I would use to describe him. And when you're talking tackling technique, particularly from the safety position in the NFL, you get a lot of safeties that are taught fly-through technique. That means choose the right shoulder or the right angle to leverage to your help, but do not stop. Anthony Harris is a breakdown tackler. He yeah. always comes to balance, under control, understands stairs, where his help, where to leverage the tackle. That's hard to do, especially when you're sitting there flat-footed, having to put your face into Derrick Henry or it's blanking right now, but there's a big back. He had a meet at 10 yards or so in the open field and they kind of stonewalled each other. That's not fun. Most safeties are going to kind of dive low, try to chop you down. And that's not only efficient, it's a business decision and hopefully keeps you healthy and safe as well. Uh, But Anthony Harris using that chest and, not afraid to put his face in the ball carriers.
0: So I mentioned a little bit their usage earlier, and I did mention that they, you know, they they did a little bit more uh, diversifying this year, I thought, in terms of how they used both he and Harrison Smith. But uh, if you were to break up his different roles, one high, two high, uh, you'd get some essentially man-to-man over a number two or a number three receiver uh, playing down in the box. What would you say is your favorite role, your favorite task that he was asked to do when you look at Anthony Harris?
1: Well, I have a couple coverages listed here and then okay. what the assignment is. Okay. And maybe you tell me what's missing. What's the coverage yep. that okay. I don't like him in? Because these might have a theme to them. I love him in that quarter split safety look that you right often there. find Minnesota in. Why? Because I love him sitting at about 10 yards ready to trigger the run. Is a guy I kind of want downhill using that tackling ability, that enforcer, that toughness over the middle of the field. Really
0: what I like too is, and people talk about quarters, and I think a lot of people, you know, kind of relate that to, oh, it's it's cover four, that's a pass coverage, uh, or that's a, like a pass-heavy coverage. If you are a safety in a quarters look, you have just as much run responsibility as you do pass responsibility because you are going to essentially be a consistent c or d gap defender depending on the on the off or the defensive line alignment uh you're going to be a very uh, you're going to be counted on to be able to defend the run and harris more than up to the task from that standpoint
1: i used to think quarters was a sitting duck coverage and now i'm all about it friend i really quick after watching last year because you're in a two deep pre-snap look so what does that say stay away from the pass we have good numbers in the box but the safeties have run responsibilities. So you're ready to allocate extra bodies to that run immediately. So I love that it shies offenses away from passing pre-snap while also ready to trigger runs post-snap. That's really the best way to kind of defend this new age RPO with let your linebackers crash, replace that second level, have safety sitting right there while telling the offense, Hey, don't throw pre-snap because we're in a too deep look. We'll, you know, expand out the half field. But anyways, yeah, cover three, quarter safety, occasionally. Yep, cover three. Yeah, okay. cover three. He's often on the line of scrimmage in these cover three sets when it's single high, and that's Harrison Smith back there in that free safety. There's sometimes he's on the line of scrimmage, so that lets him be kind of a tough guy at the point of attack. I love him against tight ends, particularly move tight ends, slot receivers, and then that same kind of single high scheme, whether it's cover three, cover one, where he can come down and be that robber and be that rat and take away the middle of the field, middle of the field in breakers, keep your head on a swivel and finish receivers, uh, whether it's, you know, after the catch or at the catch point right there. I love him running the alley, love him defending the run right there, but I just don't know if he has the skill set as that free safety or even that half field safety on the back end. He's a little tight hipped. That's why I think we always see those speed turns in coverage which sometimes he makes a couple really impressive ones, and sometimes he just doesn't get there because of it. He struggles to get in and out of those breaks a little bit, but I like what he does well, and that's triggering the run, being tough at the point of attack, and being a middle-of-the-field enforcer.
0: Yeah, I think that's what, you know, and I would I would agree. My favorite, to me, my favorite role was uh, him as a quarter safety, as a split safety. I felt like, uh, number one, uh, I did like when he's got, you know, the ability to be nosy against the run. I, I do like him, certainly, uh, attacking the line of scrimmage. And we talked about how consistent he is, uh, you know, in terms of finishing one-on-one as a tackler. But also, and you and I have talked about this in the past, quarters coverage when it's just a changeup, I feel like that's when teams you see, teams get beat a lot. Is you know, when quarters is, you know, maybe that's their, that's their uh, go to coverage on, uh, you know, third and medium or, or something like that, right? Or for, you know, it's first and 10 in the high red zone, there you'll see a lot of quarters. To me, uh, when you play it, when you major in quarters coverage, you see some really awesome plays by those secondary members where uh, they're able to overlap for each other. Uh, They understand how to pass off and then peel off and, and pick up another guy's man. And I thought you saw that time and time again. From Anthony Harris, where uh, he had just a great understanding of not just uh, where to be in coverage, but also how opponents were trying to attack them. So different route concepts that they would try and do to be able to attack the voids in quarters and try and prey on the aggressiveness of other defensive backs. And then you'd see him uh, maybe speed turn out and get to the sideline and make a play. Uh, I agree a little bit tight hipped in terms of trying to get make plays laterally in transition, but I thought he could stick his foot in the ground and close pretty fast, you know, whether he he was attacking downhill or getting to the sideline. I thought he showed a a handful of plays where he, I was like, oh, he's not going to make this play. And then you see last second, boom, he's able to close (laughs) within the last two or three, four yards uh, and get a hand on the football and knock it down. So, um, you know, I thought his instincts really showed up well in quarters as a split safety. And then also, obviously, the the nosiness against the run really showed up as well.
1: You know, and I know I have uh, written down here highlighted is I question whether he's a dynamic athlete or whether he has elite speed but the FBI and awareness make up for it. No doubt. And I think just understanding how you're being attacked, Fran, how many four, three safeties have we seen come out of college that don't understand how they're being attacked. Therefore you can't use that four, three speed. If you're not four, three mentally, you're not going to be four, three physically. And we talk about that at the linebacker position too. We get so excited by four, 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 five linebackers. You don't take the right angle. It's useless. I could get, find a four, eight linebacker with instincts in the right angle, making every play out there. And I think it's really fun to have that conversation about the marriage of FBI instincts, awareness, whatever term or trait you want to use in combination with getting things done physically. It's it's a balance to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I guess this is a good way to transition. What was our favorite play? from Anthony Harris because I'll go, I'll kind of jump into mine because it plays right off of uh, my favorite way that he was used. It was a pass breakup against the Detroit lions. And this was a great example of what we were discussing because uh, they're playing cover 4 they're playing quarters and basically what happens in quarters, if uh, the listeners can kind of, if you're driving, don't do this, but if you almost like, if you're sitting at home, close your eyes and kind of imagine, okay, the the secondary splitting the field across, you know, the width wise into quarters. Okay. The safety is responsible for one of the inside quarters And the number two receiver to his side is running a vertical route. If he runs past a certain depth, typically if it's like 8 to 10 yards, if he runs past that depth, it essentially becomes man-to-man coverage. And that's why typically what you'll see with teams, what offenses trying to attack quarters coverage, they're going to run two vertical routes at that area, at the, we'll say the post, right? Because if you're able to run, let's say a dig route from the number two receiver at like 10 to 12 yards, well, that safety is going to jump that dig route. And if you're running a deep post from the number one receiver to that side, well, the corner he's thinking he's got safety help. There's a safety there in the middle of the field. I'm going to pass this post route off to the safety. Well, that safety's playing the dig. There's nobody there, and it's usually an 80-yard touchdown. How many times do we see that time and time and time and time again over the course of the the football season? But in the on this play, it's exactly what uh, the Detroit Lions are trying to do. You got a dig route from the number two receiver. You got a deep post from the number one. He broke on that uh, on that dig at first. He sees the throw, he speed turns out, runs back to the post, gets over the top and contests the throw in the end zone and forces an incompletion. So not only did you see the awareness, understanding, hey, this is how they're trying to attack us, this is the concept I was likely to see, but then you also saw the ability to recover, no panic, ball skills, and ball skills isn't just going up and playing the football, it's also finding it, getting to the catch point, impacting it, not drawing a flag. That all falls under ball skills. And then just, the, again, just the competitiveness to be able to, to finish and get the football on the ground. I thought you saw a lot of traits there from Anthony Harrison. To me, there were a few that uh, I liked that were kind of of the same ilk. This one was my favorite, particularly because it took a touchdown off the board.
1: Do you know off the top of your head, is that the one where the dig was coming from the backside? I don't think so. If I remember
0: right, it was like a, like a pin Mills concept. Where both routes were coming uh, from the left side. And when we were watching on film, uh, I mean, it was like, Fringe, it was like the fringe area. So we're talking like 35, 40 yard line going from our left to our right. And he made the so he makes the the play in the, the right end zone if we're watching from the sideline angle.
1: Yeah, but no, exactly the play you're talking about. If they try to influence him, pull him with that first route, spins back around, gets over There's top that time. second route. He actually had a play like that last year against the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. Okay. Almost identical. Speed turns to the backside post, interception this time on Mike, uh awesome. big Mike Williams. But there's another play in that same Detroit game where he's in a similar type of look. It's kind of a split safety look. He's sitting very shallow like he's in quarters. He kind of keys number one. It's a three-by-one set. So he's looking at the isolated receiver side and then immediately gets his eyes to the dig coming from the backside. I believe Danny Amendola. Just a great understanding of the routes coming to space, coming to his area, keeping his head on a swivel. And to be honest with you, the linebacker puts his hands up, and kind of obstructs the pass because this thing hits Anthony Harris between the four and the one and he drops it and he knows it. And oh, he's made yep. some really yep. impressive interceptions in his career. He knows it here. I think he led the NFL in 2019 and picks this one is probably the easiest I've seen. But that's kind of the, the nature of the position back there. But once again, just an instinctual player getting his eyes in position first to then make a play.
0: There was a play against Atlanta where they're, again, I'm, I'm almost certain they were in quarters coverage and again, it was a three by one look. And this time, instead of keying number one, he's got his eyes to the three receiver set. So whatever it was in that game, they said, okay, if we're, if we're in quarters against three by one, we don't want you looking at the ISO side. We want you to look at the three receiver side. We're running like a three level, like flood concept over there. So three man route concept to the far side of the field. And Matt Ryan starts on the three man side, they're running like a like a little two man like uh like a levels concept coming from the backside so he goes shallow route back to the route that's in front of Anthony Harris which was like a dig so it's the the third progression it was a late in the progression throw Anthony Harris read it from one to two, he his eyes like literally mirror Matt Ryan's. He breaks on the throw, forces a pass breakup in the middle of the field. I almost used that one too, and I guess technically I did use it, but uh, I thought that was another good example of just his ability to reroute concepts uh, and make plays on the football, even though they weren't picks uh, this year. Him, uh, his ability to impact the catch point, I thought, was a really good representation of his FBI.
1: You know, when you kind of look down his plays that he's made this year. They're a big base defense team in Minnesota. They'll occasionally slide that nickel out there. That means these safeties get some unique responsibilities throughout the year. Just kind of looking up and down the types of bodies that he's had pass breakups on. You have little slots like Adam Humphreys. You have big tight ends like James O'Shaughnessy or Robert Tunyon. Then you have big slots like, you know, Mohamed Sanu or, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Miller there in Chicago. Just a variety of pass catching weapons. You have to have a versatile skill set to just be able to hang with all these different pass catchers. um, I was just very, very impressed of how disciplined of a player he is.
0: He had a great pass break up against Anthony Miller on a sale route uh, this year. I thought it was a really impressive one. Um, All right. So, uh, the next question I've got for you, every single week during the season, we didn't, we haven't been doing it in the offseason, but during the season, uh, over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, and our listeners uh, will recognize this segment because uh, we've done it uh, every single week over on that show, we would go what's called under the hood, where you and I would kind of pick a, pick a position on the field, and let's just talk through the traits that matter most and just talk about uh, how we see that from college to the NFL. And I guess when looking at Anthony Harris, and I think this is a really interesting discussion to have this week, what are the three traits that we view as just most important at the safety spot. And I guess the safeties have so many different shapes and sizes and uh, fits into a defense, especially for a deep safety. So what we're looking at with Harris, what would you view as the three most important traits in your mind for a guy that plays that position?
1: Well, the first one makes, let's make sure we're always reinforcing the primary emphasis of defense get the ball carrier on the ground. We only get 11 people. Everybody's got to contribute, but that safety position cannot be a liability as, as far as tackling. So my first trait for safeties, tackling, tackling, tackling. I do not care how it gets done. You want to be an ankle biter, go be an ankle biter. Just be good at it. You want to square people up and break down, square people up and break down, scratch, claw. If you got a horse collar and pull people down by their pockets or rip their pants down do whatever you got to do. Tackle, tackle, tackle. The safety position determines if runs are going to be eight yards or 80 yard touchdowns. And, you know, I cite that all the time. It's a make or break, you know, type of position. It's not a fun spot, but at the end of the day we got to be able to trust that the safety is going to be that last line of defense for us.
0: All right. So uh, that would also be one for me. And in terms of just your ability to be a a sound tackler without question, that is a a top three trait. For safety, what would be? Uh, I'll go here with my, with my next one. For me, uh, my number two would just be overall instincts, and uh, that factors into the fact that you've got to be line in the where you need to be at all times, so that's be in the right position, run game, pass game. I don't want as many me's mental errors uh, from your safeties on the back end. You've got to be reliable. You've got to be consistent. Be where you are supposed to be each and every snap. If you've got all these busts on the back end. Same thing in the pass game as, the, as it is with the run game. Uh, you could turn a 13-yard reception into an 80-yard catch going the other way. So, uh, to me, your overall instincts and just uh, your mental processing within the scheme, very, very important part of playing the position.
1: Well, my trait two is C trait one. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But uh, now mine, mine is obviously instincts as well. Yep. And, and kind of in parentheses, it's just non-robot. Safety position, you cannot be a robot out there. You can't be a robot mentally. You have to be a thinker. You have to be able to think on the fly, pre-snap, post-snap. You have to be a fluid thinker in combination with being a fluid player. So that's just being comfortable with what you're seeing. So that's the instincts, the FBI. And the only way to get comfortable with what you're seeing is experience and practice. And the second you're comfortable mentally, then you can play faster. And the guys that make the big plays, the ones that are you know showing up in a flash, they mentally process things faster first and foremost. All right. What's your, uh, what's your third one? Well, my third one the safety spot, we need playmaking, you know, whether it's, you know, being an enforcer on the ball carrier, setting the tone, getting the ball back through fumbles and interceptions, you know, at the end of the day, I love the way safeties can kind of set the tone for the game and for the defense, whether it's making sure ball carriers don't fall forward, whether it's making receivers alligator arms over the middle, which is kind of a dying you know, thing in the NFL now with player safety. But I just love the way that safety position can make plays and set a tone and really kind of be a spark plug for an entire team uh, in a variety of different ways. So for me, mine would be and this, I guess you could kind of put
0: this into really to both uh, of my first two traits, but I, I do think of it almost as a separate entity and that's, the the ability to kind of process angles and and take the right angle to the football, to the catch point, whether you're coming downhill, whether you're going to the sideline, whether it's one-on-one in the alley or whether it's in traffic. And there were plays with Anthony Harris where, you know, he kind of had to play things inside out. I don't know if you remember, there was a play early on in the cut up. I believe it was week one against green Bay where uh, I think it was a linebacker got like blown off the ball by, uh, by David Bakhtiari. Right. So he's coming downhill, Anthony Harris. The, the tackle pushes the linebacker up. He has to play around that block, kind of underneath it, and then still finds his way to the alley and makes the play. So you get just that he's got almost got like that, that GPS for the football in terms of he's not going to get held up through contact. He's able to, you know, to basically always see where the football is and just show that spatial awareness to be able to get the get to the football and get the ball carrier down. So uh, to me, that ability, and we talk about play through contact all the time, play in traffic. He has got that ability to be able to do that. Is he the strongest in terms of being able to get through contact? No, that's a, that might be uh, you know one of the weaker points of his game, I would say. But in terms of being able to navigate through traffic, stay unblocked, I think that that's a strength of his game. And that's something that showed up uh, time and time and time again. And again, taking angles, it's not just downhill against the run. It's also finding the football in coverage as well. Always just seem to be able to be on the right track to the ball.
1: You know, just put you on the spot for a second, any uh, former Eagle safeties that that he gives you a little flashes or vibes of, you know, being at 6'1", 210, 205? Is he like a Quentin Michael type of body in there? Is he a Michael Lewis um, you know, Michael I feel Lewis like- was
0: a little too rocked up. I feel uh, to me, like honestly, the guy that I just think of a lot, and it's not even a former Eagle. It's a current Eagle. Oh like, uh, Him and Rodney are very, very similar. Uh, and that's why I'm excited. Look, Rodney's coming off the injury. Um, so I'm excited. We'll see when he gets back, but having those two together, uh, you have two interchangeable pieces that, uh, can do a lot of those same things together. Uh, I'm excited to see those two guys. Cause they're very, very similar players. Um, uh, that, that's who he reminded. I thought of Rodney a lot while watching him. So uh, having those two on the on the back end together
1: uh, will be fun. And super excited to have a veteran presence like Anthony Harris around Kayvon Walls. Yeah. You know, I think a young player in year two going through the COVID situation as a rookie can only help him in the game slow down just to have an offseason under his belt more veteran presence on that back end, which unfortunately Malcolm Jenkins headed to New Orleans. So he lost that before he had gotten there, but I'm just really excited for the young guys as well to be around some of these vets.
0: I think Kayvon Wallace wall is kind of one of the sneaky players that I'm excited to see most in this scheme. I think that this could knowing what his skill set was coming out of Clemson. I think that this can really benefit him. There is. Um, I mean,
1: Fran 2020, just a quick elevator speech. I give every rookie a pass, to be honest with you. And it really, it pains me to see criticism of Tua tonga Bailoa after the minimal offseason for a quarterback or even running backs. Like, when do you typically get a rhythm, timing, feel, flow for rookie running backs in the preseason? It's an impossible position to learn in spot duty and getting five to ten carries randomly in a game, like the way A.J. Dillon was used for the Packers. There's so many tough situations for rookies last year. I almost give them all a pass. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh,
0: so real quick for our fifth burning question here, uh, some rookies
1: a pass. I know there's been a high profile one in the news lately. Yeah, I know. he gets yeah, a pass. No, yeah, no <laughs>
0: um, so we've, we've studied the Colts defense already, right? We've done, we've done that looking back at, uh, the unit that, uh, Jonathan Gannon was a part of over the, the course of the last three years. Um, this is our first time studying this Vikings defense under Mike Zimmer from this past season, 2020. These are two schemes that Jonathan Gannon is pulling from, you know, with the Colts over the last three years under Matt Eberflus, And then previously with Mike Zimmer. So we've talked about what our takeaways were from watching that Colts defense and their urgency and the toughness and uh, you know, the instincts, all, all the things that we've talked about after watching this scheme. And again, where it was just a kind of a shortcut uh, from the Vikings and that like we watched every single down, but Any takeaways and just in terms of how this can apply to the
1: 2021 Eagles? Well, I found the defense collectively to be very safe, to be kind of conservative, very disciplined, technically sound, kind of a zone principle defense as well. And I think that's the nature of defense right now. And that's kind of the find your safe coverage or safe scheme to survive right now until defenses really find a way to properly attack these offenses. And when I watch, there's going to be a weird connection here. When I watched Steve Sarkeesian, former Alabama offensive coordinator, now the head coach, University of Texas, give a coaching clinic last summer, which was fascinating to talk about Alabama's offense. He said the name of the game is create explosive plays. Yep. If you want to go 10 plays, 12 plays down the field, that's hard to do, especially in college. And he had this look on his face. One of our guys are going to screw it up. It's just how it is. It's hard to get 11 guys to operate perfectly for 10 straight plays and move down the field. Offenses want to generate explosive plays. Defenses need to limit that. And I feel like when you're looking at these teams, whether it's Minnesota, Indianapolis, the Rams, the ones that prevent those big plays, there's a lot of zone coverage. It's a lot of safe kind of vanilla defenses, but they're very disciplined. They're technically sound. They tackle well. And they tell you We're not going to make the mistake. We're going to make you slow burn us down the field. And if we could stop you in the red zone, great. And that's kind of the name of the game. And maybe that third and five, you get a sack, or you could get that one turnover and be opportunistic once or twice, twice a half. That's the formula.
0: I think when you look at some of the the top defenses in the, in the NFL, you, you don't even need to just say last year, just look at like the last decade. A lot of them have played defense that way you can go Legion of boom. If you want to go like recent memory, or you can go to last year and you look at like the, what the LA Rams were and what the Colts were, it bounce around. Like, uh, you know, a lot of these teams, um, you know, Vic Fangio, you know that their, their defenses have been that way. Uh, whether he's in Denver or whether he was in Chicago before that, I mean, that that's kind I mean, of Buffalo the, the played blueprint. zone, Tampa, Buffalo, played yeah, zone. no question. Yes. Green Bay
1: it, play zone. Like. Yep.
0: It's a, that's, that's the blueprint right now for how a lot of teams are playing. Now, there are plenty of teams that play heavy man coverage as well. You look at what uh, what New England has done, uh, you know, for years under Belichick. It's been a lot of heavy man coverage. So, uh, you know, lots of different ways to be able to do it. But I feel like a lot of teams now are kind of trending that way. So it's it, it is interesting to watch.
1: And there's pros and cons to it. And you of know, course. like you had started the show, I do a lot of Packers film breakdowns, and Packers fans go nuts on Sundays because zone coverage you allow, allow a higher percentage of completions. They lose their mind when balls get completed for four yards on third and three, but it's the pros and cons of the coverage. You're not allowing that ball to go over your head. You're not allowing those cheapies down the field or those explosive plays. And that's the formula of saying, you know what, we'll give you the underneath and everything has a pro and con to it. If there is a coverage and a defense that covered everything, let's dial that up every play. And I think all 32 teams will play it. Yeah.
0: I think, uh, you know, the, Packers fans would gladly trade a third, a four yard catch on third and three for Scotty Miller going 50 yards. Uh, exactly. 17. Exactly.
1: Right. <laughs> That's the uh, one where they said, why didn't they keep it in front of them? Man? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can't win sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh,
0: so the other thing I was thinking about too, uh, before we wrap this up, it's interesting kind of having this discussion about Anthony Harris, we weren't necessarily planning on having that talk, this week. Um, but we talked about safeties last week with the, the versatile pieces in Kyle Duggar and Jeremy chin. Uh, did you find yourself thinking about that? Since we just talked about those kind of like versatile, do everything safeties, the hybrid players uh, last week, and then more, a guy with more of a defined role. And that's kind of what we've been talking more about the defined role players uh, in this week's episode here with Harris.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And there's so many different ways to deploy those safeties. And I think as we're in the thick of it right now, trying to, Uh, study these prospects and this transition of college players to the pros and figure out what the skill sets and the traits and project the usage, there couldn't be a more fluid, unsettled Collective position than the safety position. So when you look at Jeremy Chinn and Duggars and they're essentially box players and dime linebackers, and you have guys like Anthony Harris that are sitting a little bit more in that quarters look at ten yards, and you have rookies like Julian Blackman playing out in you know East Jib at fifteen yards, way out there, and so many different ways to play that safety spot and deploy those safeties. It's it's just a fun study, you know, yeah. to get different skill sets and finding what they do well, don't do well, and put them in positions to be successful.
0: It's what we do, what we talk about a lot in in that situation and scheme. All these players, especially in the back seven of defenses, you have to understand what your team is looking for before you can start looking at college players and say, oh, I want this guy for my team and for my favorite team. You know, it's uh, a much more layered conversation than that. And obviously, uh, you know, Anthony Harris is a much different player from Kyle Duggar and what he can do and the strengths and the role that he can play uh, defensively. And it's what makes these kind of conversations uh so fun to have. Well Ben, uh this has been fun. We'll be back next week. We don't know what we're going to talk about yet. We'll see if the if the Eagles make another uh you know kind of big signing then uh maybe we'll break that person down, but if not, uh we'll we'll have another discussion up our sleeves. I know we want to kind of get to running backs in the past game at some point. That's a, a topic uh near and dear to your heart and it's one of my favorite things to discuss as well. So, uh we will uh be talking about that very soon here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade great stuff from Ben who you can follow on Twitter just like I do at Ben Fennell underscore NFL and while you're at it I'm at Eagles XO's that's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here at Eagles Entertainment and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media but the best way to support this show is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher leave us a rating and leave us a comment I wanted to give a shout out today to someone who did exactly that two people actually we're going to start things off with BDoc 2084 who left a five star review saying with all of the talk about wide receiver at number six overall I think Eagles fans are really bypassing the fact that the Eagles need to address the defense more than the offense the linebackers and DBs are in desperate need of upgrade they already have a young talented group at receiver that can be developed within who do you think is worthy of being selected sixth overall to improve the defense well uh, Doc 2084 I think when you look at the defensive side Certainly, there are, I would say there are only really a handful of names you're talking about in terms of the sixth overall pick. At cornerback... You've got a couple of talented players from the SEC. You've got Patrick Sertan Jr. from Alabama who, ironically enough, uh, just finished his workout. I'm recording this uh, late Tuesday afternoon, and he did a great job at his pro day, but his film is outstanding. Uh, you know, he, He's got the lineage that you're looking for. His dad, obviously, uh, a longtime Pro Bowl cornerback in the NFL, but more importantly to me, uh, in terms of what he's done in college, I mean, he's been a three-year starter for Nick Saban, started from day one as a true freshman in the secondary. That is not an easy task uh, for a young corner, so I think with what you seen from him on film his versatility his toughness his ball skills he's a guy that's certainly in that top 10 discussion I think you look over at J.C. Horn from South Carolina as well he's more of a man corner I think Sertan can give you a little bit more position uh, scheme versatility but Horn a really competitive player uh, who can also play on the ball also has NFL lineage as well uh, with his father Joe Horn a pro bowl receiver with the New Orleans Saints so I think when you look at both of those players uh, you know Caleb Farley I think would have been in that mix initially um, but But there was a report earlier this week that he will now have another back surgery. That will be his second uh, in about 18 months. So, uh, you know, obviously prayer's up to him in terms of his ability to recover. Seems like he will, um, but ultimately uh, that's going to affect his ability to go uh, super high in the NFL draft. You go outside of corner, I don't know that there's necessarily a safety that everybody is talking about going that high, uh, but then you go to linebacker and pass rusher. Uh, You know, Micah Parsons is a big name in terms of his ceiling. I mean, he is a height, weight, speed athlete, uh, only a one-year starter at linebacker for the Nittany Lions, but uh, this is a versatile player who was a high school defensive end, made the transition to linebacker, and uh, he is a freak athlete in terms of what he can do from a sideline to sideline standpoint. He is a powerful player. We've been talking about him a lot over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, and you know, the pass rushers, uh, it's an interesting group this year because it's, it's really ultimately what you like. I don't know that any – there's not a consensus right now at that position in terms of who is the top guy. Uh, you might like Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. I happen to be a big fan of his, but you look around. Some people are big fans of Greg Rousseau from Miami, uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami. You can look at Quiddie Pei from Michigan. Uh, you know, there, there's guys all across the board that have varying skill sets, so it's going to be a matter of flavor. And if you really, really love uh, that player, Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle – from Alabama has extremely high upside as well. But I think in terms of just universally, how people are being talked about in terms of mock drafts, really, it's, it seems like it's Patrick Sertan if you want to go defense. Otherwise, it's a lot of offensive players uh, in the top in this draft. So good question there uh, from B Doc 2084. Let's go to one final comment. This comes from uh, C. Fachikopi who left a five-star review and just left a long response, kind of highlighting the things they love about the show and uh, what we bring to the table. I'm not going to reread all the nice things they wrote, but uh, very nice that uh, they were able to read that or able to leave that comment and I just wanted to uh, give that person a shout out just to let them know uh, that I did get... The message did get the review. Thanks so much to everybody uh, for all of your support, whether you're going on Apple Podcasts and uh, leaving that five-star review or whether you're just spreading the love uh, on social media. Thanks so much to everybody. Thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. In just over three years, Eagles Autism Foundation has raised millions of dollars for autism research and care. But this is about so much more than just fundraising. This is about making a transformational difference in the
1: lives of those affected by autism. This is about bringing our community together. With inclusive, sensory-friendly events and accessible resources, we meet families where they need us most and where we can serve them
0: best. Together, we're united in our mission to improve the lives of the autism community and to turn awareness into action. It's what we focus on. Every day in every way.